You are listening to a podcast of the Fleming Foundation. We are an organization pursuing real learning, original scholarship, and thoughtful living in a dying age. Welcome to another episode of Surely You Must Be Joking, Dr. Fleming, on the Fleming Foundation. This week, the question posed to our guest, Dr. Fleming, is the question of the scandals around Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, the British cabinet. First of all, uh, welcome back, Dr. Fleming. Well, thank you. It's good to be back, I guess. <laughs> and, and your statement when I brought this up was that this is no big deal. What, yeah. do, you, what do you mean by this exactly? Well, uh, yeah, first of all, that uh, boys will be boys and girls will be girls is uh, not anything really new. This is what we're dealing with now is one of these periodical hysterical outbreaks of hypocrisy in America. You know, we here in America like to think, you know, that you know, if you listen to Judge uh, Rush Limbaugh, excuse me, if you listen to Rush, he believes in American exceptionalism. We, we have shuffled off all those impediments to human happiness that they suffered in old Europe, etc., etc. We're a, a people of virtue, a city on a hill, to which, you know, it's absolute nonsense. We're, we're human. We came here largely for motives of greed. We have behaved as human beings always behave with uh, violent pursuit of selfish interest. That, that's the nature of man. It's not no surprise that it's the nature of America. So, but we want to pretend to ourselves. So we want to pretend that that we could have we could eliminate the consumption of alcohol by passing a law against it. We could eliminate bigotry by passing civil rights legislation. We can eliminate violence by getting rid of guns. And if we have just the right sensitivity training and 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 legislation and moral outrage, we can get rid of uh, of the sexual abuse of. Uh, of uh, women and uh, or uh, or even of men, and so the whole th- the whole thing is is ridiculous. But it's a uh, it, it 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 pays for the newspapers and the websites that uh, are featuring it. Do you dispute any of the facts? Um, not really. Uh, uh, we can talk a little bit later about some of the potentially disputed cases. There's an allegation against Charlie Sheen, for example. <laughs> Although, uh, what defense one could make of Charlie Sheen uh, uh, in general is, is uh, sort of in doubt. But in most cases, I think the, the stuff about at least some of the members of the British cabinet are, are, are true. And, you know, Britain has had a lot of scandals lately in the, in, in, at the BBC and in the entertainment uh, business, the famous Australian performer who made "Timey Kangaroo Down," whatever. Rolf Harris, you know, he's he's. Uh, I think he had his his uh, awards taken away. A lot of knighthoods being uh, being revoked, and similarly in Hollywood, the cases are not so much in dispute, but we're not learning anything new. In the case of Harvey Weinstein, this is nothing new. He's been repeatedly accused of sexual harassment and things uh, coming close to rape and proper conduct. And he has been paying off on a regular basis. I mean, woman after woman after woman, they come forward, you know, they're groped or, or, or he exposes himself or does something disgusting because he's a, he's a hard, you know, I think part of the charm of Harvey Weinstein is he is so ugly and so despicably foul in his habits that it's, it's pretty easy to be outraged that any human female would have to be in the same room with him. But, you know, he pays off at a roughly 100 grand a shot. 
And this has been going on. There have been newspaper stories in, you know, fairly dubious papers. But why the New York Times decided to go after him, well, who knows? The, the, best, the, the best theory is that his brother set him up because his brother knew that eventually the whole company would come tumbling down if Harvey uh, couldn't be got, got rid of. So most news, and this has been a theme of our foundation and website, most news is not new at all. All, all we really have is olds. That is, there's nothing new under the sun, said the preacher, vanitas vanitatum omnia vanitas. It's like the Cosby story. You know, everybody said, well, isn't this shocking? Bill Cosby, imagine, Dr. Huxtable, this model family man on television, and he turns out to be uh, a, somebody who gives women rape drugs. Bill Cosby lived in the Playboy Club with Hugh Hefner. I mean, he has a completely fraudulent uh, uh a, a doctorate of education that he paid money for. He is just an illusion created by Hollywood publicists. Of course, you know, everybody knew he was doing all these things. The stories were out uh, all over. The stories certainly been out on, on uh, Weinstein all the time. So why, why get upset now? Well, because it's convenient. And it, if I were a real cynic, I'd say because ultimately they're looking for a big buildup uh, from this perspective, to get the president, uh, the president certainly has not led the life of a 1950s sitcom. On the other hand, he's more often had to beat women off with a stick than to uh, than to make passes at them. Right. Well, and I think especially in the age of digital news, where everything seems to be preserved, you you, you said something you know six years ago, and the internet can just pull it up and tell you exactly what you said, even though you may not remember it. The the evidence against Weinstein was all over. There's a very famous joke now that one uh, a comedian had made at the, uh, an awards ceremony nomination. I don't remember if it was the Oscars or the Golden Globes, but he announced all five of these actresses, and he says, these are women who no longer have to pretend to be attracted to Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> and, and everyone in the audience laughed. And this yeah. was 2013 or 2015. So this idea that nobody knew I, obviously is, is a joke. But I think more troubling is the narrative that women like Gwyneth Paltrow, Angelina Jolie, multimillionaires whose net worth is in the hundreds of millions of dollars could be intimidated by this man. It's one yeah. thing to intimidate a 22-year-old Gwyneth Paltrow who didn't have any other options. But as the woman gets older and becomes more powerful, and now she has her own companies out and she doesn't even act anymore, I don't think. She didn't think, well, maybe now that I have the money and the reputation that I can go up against this guy, I might help my fellow sisters, right? Yeah. But instead, she jumps on the train afterwards to say, this has to stop now. Uh, I can't really say uh, she was brave to step up after people had already stepped up with much less money and much less prestige than she did. So I think we have a further insight into the cowardice of these alleged powerful independent women. It's uh, quite shocking. Yeah. You know, and it's not just uh, I mean, you're, you're completely right. It is cowardice, but it's not it's not just cowardice. The fact is. I, I I won't say specifically in the case of Gwyneth Paltrow or Angelina Jolie, but most likely in in all cases, they they did it out of greed and a desire to be somebody. 
Remember what actresses are. They're women who take their clothes off in public so that they can make a lot of money and be admired. They're, these are, we're, we're, they're not doing Gertrude in Hamlet. They're doing trash. And they're trash human beings, essentially. My father, who was not a particularly moralistic person, he was moral, but the opposite of Puritan. But he would always say, you know, son, there was a time when you, one simply didn't associate with show people. And that's how, you know, he knew a, fair, a moderate number of Hollywood and Broadway actors over the years. He had met them, but uh, but he said, you know, they're really, uh, you know, they're, they're not the kind of people that anybody really wanted to know in the, in the good old days. So the real problem is that uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Angelina, they didn't care about what happened to them. They didn't care about what happened to it's happening to other girls today. What they what they were interested in initially was having their face all over the world. And what they're interested now, once again, is in a different way. They're getting PR for what they're doing now. They're all uh, complete illusions. One of the most significant books that's been published in the past 50 years is a little book that practically nobody has read. And it's not a very nice book. It's a very ugly book written by a good friend of mine, George Garrett, as a very fine novelist. But George, in a bad mood and maybe uh, popping pills or drinking booze, but George wrote a book called Poison Pen. And it's a series of imaginary poison pen letters written by a drug-addicted redneck named John Town who writes to celebrities. So he's got a Dear Mr. Capote letter. He's got letters to, to uh, top models, letters to literary agents. And basically, the letters tell the truth about uh, American public life. And one of the last letters is a letter to Christy Brinkley, the, the model, who said, I saw you on TV the other day, Christy, who said nobody understands the real you. So actually, Christy, you ought to realize there is no real you. The only you that exists is the you on the camera, you know, under, uh, be, uh, behind the lights. You're a, you're a complete fabrication. And this is the wor- this is the media made world we live in, where uh, we imagine John Wayne is a, is a war hero, uh, and say Jimmy Stewart a coward. Well, Jimmy Stewart was flying combat missions while John Wayne was st- staying at home. But in, in, uh, to quote a famous movie, which stars both of them, this, uh, to paraphrase it, this is America. And when truth conflicts with the legend, print the legend. So uh, all, uh, all of these little starlets and boopsies and aging actresses, who whichever side they're on, is irrelevant. They pick the side simply in order to enhance their public persona, which is an invention. Well, and as to your point about, let's say, John Wayne's movie roles or Jimmy Stewart's movie roles, some of these newer actors and actresses have been playing superheroes. And oh, it yeah. seems they can't even channel one shred of the people that they're pretending to play. So if you're going to play a superhero on, on the big screen, potentially could you even play a sliver of a superhero in real life? But it just seems that, you know, once they've made their money, they didn't really worry about, again... I I can't hear someone like Gwyneth Paltrow, Angelina Jolie talk about the rights of women when they were very happy to not speak out against this for decades now at this point. Um, yeah, they wonder today an, an actress who plays Wonder Woman or one of the or uh, the the any one of these great superhero roles, but they can't even slap Harvey Weinstein's face. Right. 
And, you know, I don't think he'd be putting up my, you know, he's he's just this fat, disgusting slob. He couldn't most most young women could uh, could, you know, throw him over the sofa or at least push him over the sofa. <laughs> well, the, the the big fall from grace among all of these. So, as you say, uh, Harvey Weinstein might be this disgusting, fat old man, but we have the attractive and uh, and coveted character of or character or personage of Kevin Spacey, which was, he recently exposed and then somewhat exposed himself. What's your take on that, Dr. Fleming? Yeah, um, I, I'm among a small group of people who think Kevin Spacey can't act his way out of a paper bag. I've never seen Kevin Spacey in anything where he wasn't simply doing a kind of Kevin Spacey character or doing some over-the-top, ridiculous, you know, sort of the way Meryl Streep will will uh you know tear apart to tatters the um yeah the, the, uh, the quintessential for me role dr fleming of, of the kevin spacey character is probably the office manager in glenn gary glenn ross i don't know if you yes, ever saw that right. but that to yes, me is the quintessential kevin spacey role yeah yeah so um so i i could i couldn't pick him out of a lineup of two people normally he's got he's got such a nondescript appearance the uh, i uh, i saw a few minutes of the american version of house of cards one of my junior colleagues told me it was much it was much better than the british version now i don't know if you've seen the british version with sir ian richardson but it is one of the high points in the history of, of television drama it's extremely funny. Richardson puts in, who's a fine Shakespearean actor, puts in a brilliant performance and uh, as a portrait of a Machiavellian uh, statesman, a modern, a latter-day Macbeth. It is really a, a beautiful writing. And the, the second series in which, uh, in which they ridicule uh, Prince Charles and Princess Di is, again, extremely funny. And and hits very close to home. Michael Kitchen's performance, by the way, as Charles is is just spot on. But um, so I mean, the idea I, I realize so, something is seriously wrong in a country that thinks you can you can pit you can have uh, Kevin Spacey replace uh, Ian Richardson. But anyway, his basic mistake, of course, was that he thought he could defend himself as a child molester, as a pedophile, by revealing that he's a homosexual, as if anybody ever doubted that. You know, the other, I remember Richard Chamberlain a few years ago came out and said he was gay. Oh, my, really? Young Dr. Kildare is gay? Who, who could have possibly imagined it? But uh, the... Um, some evil-minded people out there uh, decided that Spacey was doing the unthinkable, which was somehow conflating homosexuality with pedophilia and with sexual violence. Now, uh, as if that were in any doubt, of course there's a strong correlation. Not all homosexuals molest children, and not all people who molest children are homosexuals, but the rates are much, much higher. Of course, people will then point out, most, uh, most child molesters are heterosexual. Well, that's true, but that's because 95% of humanity is heterosexual, or more like 98%. So a tiny percentage of the population is responsible for a huge number of the attacks on children. It's a little bit like the uh, statistics on uh, crime and welfare. It's true that white people commit as many crimes and are as likely to go on welfare as black people, but then black people are only 14% of the population. 
So the fact that they're committing over 50% of the violent crime uh, does present a problem for the statistician. So, uh, yeah, so poor Spacey, he's, he's ruined his career by letting the cat out of the bag, which is that as a homosexual, he's naturally prone to molesting children. Hmm. Well, and again, this is, as you say, topics that can't be discussed or they can't be discussed rationally because then the idea that homosexuals are a small part of the population is even, it's one of those facts that, that has to be attacked as fake news. They'll say, well, no, it's one out of every 10 or, or any of those other statistics that have come yeah. up recently that are completely unsubstantiated. You know, the, the Kinsey statistic, which was one out of 10, you know how he got that statistic? He, he studied people in state prison serving time for sexual offenses. Mm. <laughs> Well, there's a there's an average sample, and in and in and in mental hospitals. So he studied sex offenders and found out that that they had a high percentage of homosexuality. The worldwide norm for people who are predominantly homosexual, that is not just to do something odd once every four or five years, but but for people whose primary orientation, the worldwide average is one or two percent. You know, and in some societies it goes up to four percent. There are strange things like in Turkey where it's considered an uh, a kind of a it's like in America, like like going to Vegas and cheating on your wife. You know, they, it's something they do, but their primary orientation is still toward uh, toward women. And the same thing was true among uh, ancient, ancient Greeks. So maybe in our society, with 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 all the resources of government and government schooling and Hollywood and the media being this drumbeat in favor of bizarre sexual behavior, we still probably can't manage better than about four percent. So yeah, so so it's a it's a, it's a tiny it's a tiny part of the population. Although we're led to believe that it's everybody, everybody, and you're, there's something wrong with you. Uh, if uh, if you haven't gone through a homosexual phase, I mean, that's another very common thing in Hollywood now. These these uh, starlets have to go through a lesbian phase to prove that they're that they're really ready for the big time in Hollywood. Mm. Well, some might say that this has the symptoms of a, a witch hunt or a new puritanism. How would you respond to that? Well, really, uh, fundamentally, the attack on uh, uh, the abusers of women. Uh, in particular, has more to do with feminism than anything else. And, you know, the feminists have been talking about how women have uh, suffered uh, for a long time, um, certainly since the 50s. What they don't like to talk about is the degree to which feminism and the playboy philosophy have gone hand in hand to degrade women and make them uh, easy prey for cynical men. No one, nothing has so contributed to the degradation of women and to the abuse, sexual abuse of women as the feminist movement. It's been far more influential than Hugh Hefner ever dreamed of being. So uh, they, 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 they talk a, a, a lot about this. There's a, there's some, the problem with feminism, with the whole movement, as, and I used to write a, gr a great deal about this, and a lot of it is uh, the, the basic research is in my uh, book on the politics of human nature, but uh, they, they have a fundamental contradiction. They say men and women are basically equal, and by equal they mean more or less the same. 
you know, they may have long hair or they have a few secondary sexual characteristics that we don't have. They're a few little different. But basically, uh, we have the same capacity for athletics. We have the same capacity for, uh, for, uh, for example, doing mathematics for uh, for caring we have we're, we're there there the the differences between the sexes are trivial and thus it follows that women should be allowed to play in the national football league or the national hockey league or the nba all right that's fine so we just say we don't need any rules we just uh, it'll be illegal to uh, to persecute women or treat them different from men at the same time however we're told that men Given any opportunity, in other words, if you don't put a gun to a man's head, he's going to exploit women, he's going to abuse them, he's going to rape them. But um, wait a minute. If men and women are the same, A, why is it so, why is it possible that men are always abusing women? Is it, we do have a 10% uh, advantage in terms of size and strength, which the feminists don't admit, but, um, but why? Why is there anything wrong in this? I mean, the truth is that the male species, I'm not now talking about nice Christian men. I'm talking about uh, the, the male animal. The male animal has never been averse to promiscuous sexual behavior. And if a woman wants to pick up a man in a bar or seduce a 15-year-old boy, I mean, I know there's a lot of cases where people screaming, oh, this teacher corrupted my son. Ask the son. You know, I mean, we're 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 dealing we're dealing with uh, we're we're dealing with beasts now when we're dealing with adolescent males. You can't really men if if a, if a reasonably attractive woman made herself available or even forced a man into having sex, he may not like it. Maybe she's not his cup of tea. Maybe she's not good enough looking for him. But oh well, what the heck? As they say, any old storm, any old port. Life is long, love is short. That is the male ethic, and it's especially the American male ethic. Well, why are women different? In other words, if if men really don't care that much if they're abused sexually by a woman, then why do women care? It's 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 irrational to think that uh, women are should deserve special protection or special concern. Because before, what are we going to talk about? Chivalry. We're talking about the, the 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 honor of the female sex. We're talking about future mothers and wives, and they should be treated with with reverence. Well, I mean, what kind of world are you living in if you would even think that? So, and by the way, why do we have uh, the the women's golf association? Why do we have women's tennis? I, I can't imagine why. Men and women are the same. Fine, let women play men's tennis, and they'll, they'll never be in another tennis tournament in the history of the world. You know, I think it was John McEnroe a couple of months ago was being interviewed on television. He was asked about one of the Williams sisters, and he said, she's really a, a very great woman tennis player. The interviewer said, well, why do you have to say woman? He said, well, because the top 100 men would beat her. Well, you know, and this is an outrage. It, it, it is true, but it's an outrage. Well, and he was sure. he was vilified for daring to say such a thing, even though it yeah. corresponds exactly to reality. I think we're that maybe hearkening back to the was it Billy Billy B- Billy Jean King and the and the uh, and, the, the match that she had Bobby Rick yeah right. Bobby Rick and he was totally drunk when he when he played that match, wasn't he? He was a she was at the height of her career. He was b- retired. He was a hustler, you know. Uh, uh, 
Taki, my uh, friend, uh, the, the, the columnist for uh, Spectator, Taki, uh, Billy, uh, Bobby Riggs was his tennis coach. And he says his trainer, and he said Bobby was always hustling and trying to you know lose a few and then put a lot of money on it and pick the money up. He said Bobby would do anything for money, mm. and that uh, his own assumption at the time is that Riggs threw it, even though he was an old drunken bum, he could still have taken Billie Jean King, and the fact that Billie Jean became you know she couldn't have beaten the top hundred players that were then that were then on the circuit. So why do we have women's tennis? It seems absurd. Uh, if they're equal, we don't we don't need it. And if they're not equal, then uh, then what are we doing with all this v- fantastic apparatus of propaganda and special rights for women? So the so the f- feminists have created this 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 conundrum. On the one hand. Uh, they're, they're free to be raunchy, to take their clothes off in public, to ha- engage in, uh, in disgusting public acts of sexuality, they're, they're, that anything they do is okay. But on the other hand, on the other hand, they should be treated as if they were Joan of Arc. Not just and, treated, but, but paid as well. There was some controversy with the U.S. men's national team versus the, the women's team that, uh, the, in soccer that – the women have won multiple World Cups and uh, are, are very successful on the world stage, but they just don't have the drawing power. Uh, and it, this, it, there's been studies shown even women don't go to watch women's sports in the, in the same numbers. And so there's not any money available to pay them equally. But this idea was, well, the women are the, the female uh, men's national, the female national team for, for soccer is significantly more successful than the men who the men can't, yeah. the men couldn't even manage to qualify for the most recent World Cup but they're paid much, much more than the women are. But again, if, if it's true that they're equal, and that's fine to say that, but it doesn't seem that they're equal in terms of numbers. The women don't even draw women to watch women's sports. And I think that that's a, a challenge, as you say, to the idea that the marketplace also doesn't agree with this assertion. Yeah, and uh, you know it, what, what's disgraceful is how few women athletes will stand up and tell the truth. I mean, you'd think that there'd be one of them would say, of course, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm among the top three women tennis players in the world, but I can't beat the top, any of the, the, the bottom 50 in the men, you know, I mean, uh, in the top 100. So the, 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 the whole thing becomes a preposterous exercise in, in deceit. By the way, I, I, one way to settle the, the payment for the, for the uh, soccer players is just to have the women's team play the men's team. And whoever wins each year get, will get the higher level of salary. Somehow I think, Dr. Fleming, that that won't be happening anytime soon. Just as I know that despite her accomplishments, Serena Williams won't be taking on Roger Federer or any of those people anytime soon. Um, because there, yeah. no one's got the hustle of, uh, of, uh, of rigs at this point to, to try to do something like that. They've got their personal brands to protect, so they wouldn't dare to do something like that. I, I do want to take us on a bit of a detour, Dr. Fleming, because you, you, you mentioned somebody, and there was someone else that I, I think is, is relevant to the discussion tangentially. You'd mentioned Hugh Hefner, and he, he died while you were... Uh, not while you were away, but just shortly before you left, and so we right. didn't have a chance to, to deal with him. But also, in an, ex, in an expression of extreme tone deafness, in Paris, during the, the whole week that the thing broke with Weinstein, they had a festival for Roman Polanski, <laughs> right? As if the French could not be any more tone deaf, 
but but I, again, that's the thing is you say it's no big surprise. So the French can have a fete for Roman Polanski, and Harvey Weinstein can be known to be uh, the 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 issue with Harvey Weinstein is a, a known open secret. You. It's the same here in Europe as it is in the United States, that this is simply tolerated. I think the narrative, though, in the news, and, and I, I'm very interested, and I'm sure our listeners are as well, is that the dam is breaking and Hollywood will be cleansed like the Aegean stables. But I'm sure that you don't agree with that. No. I, look, uh, it's, never been, it's never been anything uh, other than this. Um, the show people of the 19th century, you know, traveling theatrical companies were, were uh, we- well known for their immorality. The, uh, you know, uh, uh, an interesting case for Americana is that Wyatt Earp met his wife when she was touring with the Gilbert and Sullivan Company in the chorus, uh, but she was also ply- she was also uh, selling her wares in the evening to a variety of people, including Sheriff John Bean of uh, of Tombstone. I mean, so actress and prostitute were almost synonymous in uh, periods of history. The the great uh, the great Nell Gwynne, who uh, Charles II's uh, mistress. When she was pelted by uh, Protestants with with uh, garbage in the street, she said, "I'm not the king's Catholic whore. I'm the king's Protestant whore." <laughs> and uh, I mean, th- this unfortunately, th- this is now. I'm not saying that all actresses are are, uh, are prostitutes, but or, or Protestants for that matter. Yes, that's right. But it, but 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 certainly that it is a. It has only recently become, in the hands of you know people like uh, Ellen Terry and others, it became a, a, a more serious profession. But in Hollywood, it, it went right back to its origins, and the Hollywood casting couch uh, is, of course, legendary. <clears throat> Hollywood has been uh, producing uh, soft corn pornography since the earliest days of film. I mean, Dr. Freud, in one of his few moments of insight, once said that the first use, one of the first uses to which any technology will be put is erotic. And so you invent, you invent the camera, you invent the moving picture, and immediately you start getting X-rated films produced. And, uh, and of course, to, to, if, to be acceptable to the great unwashed bourgeoisie of America, you had to make it soft core pornography, but that's all, most most of American film has. And 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 before the the famous Hollywood Code came in, you look at some of those movies, and I mean they're they're they're, they're by today's standards they're quite prim, but uh, but but the women are showing off a great deal more than uh, one would have thought would be common in in the 1920s. So. The, 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 what is Hollywood today? What does it do? It sells sex and violence. There's a pornography of violence just as there's a pornography of sex. You just as watching uh, people do things on the screen, the, the, the viewer imagines he or she is in the scene. So in the, and so in the same thing with violence, young men train you know be, have the thrill of killing hundreds of people if they go to one of these superhero movies so this is what hollywood is hollywood sells sex that's what it's all about and the women in hollywood 
uh, are, are selling sex. Similarly, in the, the problems in the British cabinet, the problems, the, the scandals that break out in Congress all the time, uh, politics is all about uh, male testosterone. Politics always attracts hormonally driven sexual predators, and in so-called democracies, such as we pretend to live in, low-minded males compete for wealth, power, and access to submissive sex partners. That's why you go into politics. FDR, JFK, LBJ, uh, George Bush Sr., Bill Clinton, Newt Gingrich, these are all bizarre people who, whose lives were dominated by what used to be illegal relations with women and are certainly immoral relations with women. I mean, why else? What do they go into politics for? They go in so that they can earn higher and higher bribes, push people around, and in particular, take advantage of women. I was once uh, at, on some uh, boondoggle for the U.S. Department of Education, and uh, somebody I barely knew from South Carolina came up to me, and he said, hey, I knew, I knew you were over here. At, uh, let me go and meet your senator. And I said, well, my Fritz Hollings, a senior senator from uh, South Carolina. Well, uh, my mother had actually gone door-to-door for Fritz once, and he, he was actually among, among Southern Democrats, among the best. So I went over to meet Fritz, and he wasn't there, but uh, so instead his senior aide showed me around and, and showed me some other offices. And I said, well, why is there always this big, whenever you're in a senator's office or a congressman's office, there's this huge leather couch. You know, it's very wide. And he said, oh, well, you know, that's where they, that's where they bed the secretaries and the pages. That's the whole point of, this, of the congressional page program. You bring in attractive young women from the heartland, and then the senator gets to, or the congressman gets to have them. Well, golly, would you want your daughter to go to Washington as a congressional page? People treat this as an honor. These are just victims of sexual exploitation. But this is how dumb the American middle class is. They think it's an honorable thing to send their kids to Washington on these programs. And by the way, uh, religious families, you know, they send their kids out, oh, uh, a papal encounter, or they have these religious revivals. You know, I can't... (laughs) Anybody who has ever had to chaperone a bunch of teenagers on, on, a, on a retreat or a class trip knows what's going on. It's just massive, massive fornication. And it goes on just as much at religious uh, meetings as, uh, as in secular meetings. Why do, it's like, why do parents send their kids off on spring break to Aruba? Why, why do they do this? But, uh, but, we, but we live in, uh, in, a, in a country whose hip level of hypocrisy is, is simply staggering. The, the, the Congress of the United States, the whole culture of Washington resembles nothing so much as Tiberius living on Capri, you know, having his ships go up and down the Italian coast, kidnapping children for his sexual pleasure. Well, and to bring it back to what you had alluded to originally with the British version of House of Cards, it's not as if there's not some truth telling being told by Hollywood about what politics is 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 all about. I'm as you were speaking, I was reminded of the closing scenes of The Candidate with Robert Redford, yeah. Yeah. where we find out what kind of candidate he really is. He's he's definitely stepped into the role, as one might say, and. 
they're they're imitating each other, and the truth is there for anyone who has eyes to see. But it seems that we just keep buying more of the same. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and uh, a lot of it has to do with the needs for democracy. For example, we can never fight a war over oil or over strategic self-interest. We have to fight a war because we're saving the saving democracy or we're protecting we're, it's women. It's women's rights in Afghanistan. That's right. That's right. right. Exactly. And because of that, the level the level of lying is really in public life and in the public media and in public entertainment. The level of lying, including the lying of having Sharon Stone almost beat up Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie Total Recall. I mean, uh, the level of, de- of deceit and dishonesty is is unprecedented in human history. We 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 we, we I had a, a a little granddaughter and she was she's very delicate and she was flexing her muscles. I can beat up anybody, and I said, "My dear, you cannot." And you have, must get rid of this notion because you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble. So she went into the into the kitchen and crying to her grandmother. He says, I'm not strong. I'm not tough. He says, I can't beat up boys. And of course, her grandmother said, don't be ridiculous. You, Of course you can't. But see, her, her foolish mother and other and teachers had given her this illusion that an that a woman is going to be able to fend off uh, a, a potential rapist or attacker simply by using some flashy moves she's seen uh, on television <laughs> or or in a movie. And the reality is, I mean, well, as you know, uh, as you know, Doctor Fleming, anything you can do, I can do better. Exactly. I, <laughs> me and Annie Oakley, I, I I I went out with a with a girl who's a very fine tennis player when I was in college, and she got mad at me once and decided she was going to smack me. Well, I was in my mighty 132 pounds uh, of unathletic uh, uh, intellectualism. I grabbed her two uh, hands and held them with one hand and laughed. And she she was extremely athletic and strong for a woman, but she was no match for a for a, a flabby poetry writing male. <laughs> well, we've covered <laughs> we've covered a lot of ground, Doctor. I mean, is there anything else that you want to bring to our attention that we haven't already spoken about today? I would just conclude with this about all these accusers. Everybody in Hollywood has known. That is by everybody, directors, producers, aides, script girls, starlets, you know, extras. They have they are in the same business as Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey. They know the rules. It's the rules that have been there since the days of uh, Griffith, uh, Woody Allen, Roman Polanski, it's, uh, uh, Fatty Arbuckle. It's one bloody scandal after another. These people live like beasts. And our beloved Hollywood stars that we look up to and take inspiration from are basically uh, trash human beings. They're people that are despicable in every way and and should be despised. Exceptions to this rule are rare and they should be noted. Uh, Jimmy Stewart, I think, was largely one. Joel McRae, not maybe a great actor, although he starred in some wonderful movies. Joel McRae was married to the same woman his whole adult life, and there's no indication that either one of them ever took an interest in another man. And I have to say that one of my favorite minor actresses, Jane Greer, 
who co-starred with Robert Mitchum in Out of the Past, which I think is the finest uh, film noir and one of the finest small movies ever made, uh, directed by the great Jacques Tourneur, uh, although he was uh, an American, she quit her career rather than sleep with a movie mogul on the casting couch. She said, no, I'm a married woman, I'm not doing this, and you can keep your job. So there are such people, and they should be lauded. The rest should be, frankly, uh, despised. Uh, the, 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 the idea that Weinstein is a monster is absurd. Weinstein is simply uglier and filthier than most of them. He behaves the way they all do, and he's only been brought down because he now could do nobody any good or any harm because he so discredited himself. There is nothing in this scandal. As in the, in the words of uh, that Red Butler says to Scarlett at the end of Gone with the Wind, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Well, my dear, my dear listeners, we do give a damn about you all, and we will have another episode for you soon. Thanks, as always, Dr. Fleming. Thank you. Thank you for listening to a podcast of the Fleming Foundation. All rights are reserved. These podcasts are made possible by our paid members, who ensure that our hosts and writers can contribute regularly, not on a volunteer basis. If you have any questions about anything you heard on today's episode, or if you wish to acquire rebroadcast rights, please email podcasts at fleming.foundation. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at the Foundation, make the most of a dark age.